Hey y'all, this is the Christ Center Conversations Podcast, and I'm Shelby Stanfill. And I'm Kevin Stanfill. Each week, we come together and discuss the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy listening to this week's episode. Welcome everybody listening to episode, get ready for it, 19, I think. Yeah, I think it was 19. Um, we're, oh, some housekeeping items first, right? We, we have some housekeeping items. We have changed, like when you search for us, it used to be Stanfieldcast. Now it is Christ-Centered Conversations. So it's still the Book of Mormon podcast. But we changed the name to Christ Center Conversations. So that was exciting. We thought about that. Well, actually, Kevin took the lead on that. But I came up with the name, right, Kevin? Yeah. You know, <laughs> I <laughs> I just know that uh, in, in the beginning, our podcast name didn't really mean very much. Uh, I, we just, we'd already kind of, always kind of, tossed around the idea of the Stanfill cast, but number one, there's already a Stanfill cast somewhere <laughs> in the world. It's the Stanfill cast Baptist church. Is yeah. It's so like, a, and, and not that I don't even know how much of a listenership they have, but, um, maybe they gave us our bad review. <laughs> I don't know about that. We're going to start podcast wars if we keep talking about them. Um, but you know, this this really is a Christ-centered podcast. The Book of Mormon is another testament of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, yeah, it, it just it teaches of Christ on like pretty much every single page. I mean, everything is tied back to Him. Uh, he's He's our our Savior and our God, and so you know, and the conversations that we have are centered on him. Even if we get into the weeds and we talk about, mm-hmm. you know, this or that, it's always, it's always, it always comes back to him. And yeah. so. So we, we changed the name. Um, so that's exciting. So now if you tell people about the podcast, it's when they look it up, it's Christ Centered Conversations with a hyphen in the middle of Christ and centered. Um, yeah. Just so y'all know. And then um, <laughs> Kevin and I, I thought that we were actually studying. Sorry, my sound on my phone. I thought we were studying chapter 16 this week. But apparently, we are, Kevin did chapter the rest of chapter 15. So now we gotta work, we're going to do a fun little thing where we each talk about what we studied. Right. So he's going to start us off with where we left off with the elders and kind of go from there. And then we'll jump into 16 um, with what I studied. So awesome. that was fun, but we're going to make it work. Yeah. And I, and you know, not that we're trying to go for speed, but it'll move us through chapter 15 and 16 uh, even faster. So we are going to start today in chapter 15 of 1 Nephi. And we've already talked about how uh, Nephi comes upon his brothers and finds them disputing and so on and so forth. We actually talked about that twice. We talked about it with the elders last week on our Book of Mormon podcast. 
We also talked about it on our, uh, f- I believe it was our first Come Follow Me Corner episode. A mm-hmm. uh, little, little plug for our Come Follow Me podcast. We post those every week uh, as a resource to you and your family and, and just to share some thoughts from the Book of Mormon study. But um, we're going to jump, actually, to later on in the conversation. And so in verse 12, this is when Nephi, he is basically teaching Laman and Lamuel um, the meaning of what their father said concerning the house of Israel being likened unto a an olive tree and in verse 12 it says behold i say unto you that the house of israel was compared to an olive tree by the spirit of the lord which was in our father and behold are we not broken off from the house of israel and are we not a branch of the house of israel and this goes into what we were talking about last week about the gathering of israel and nephi There's two things that's interesting here. Nephi thought it was very important that he teach his brothers the meaning of this this vision or this uh, this analogy that we had uh, that they were uh, a branch broken off from the house of Israel. Um, Furthermore, later Mormon, who is abridging these records also thought it was very important to put this piece of information in there. It's because it affects us. Um, we are also a, a part of the house of Israel. And we discussed that um, uh, a few episodes ago uh, that we are, we are, although we are Gentiles, right? There's a differentiation between Jew and Gentile. Um, we are all uh, brought into the house of Israel and that family, the whole earth family. And uh, Nephi goes on to explain what he's seen in vision concerning their seed or their descendants. So the descendants of himself and his brothers and how at some point in the future they will have dwindled in unbelief. And it will actually be the Gentiles who bring the restored gospel to them knowing that uh, Joseph Smith was a Gentile um, and we are all Gentiles. Uh, we may not have any Israel Israelite blood, but we do have the fullness of the gospel. And so, like we've talked about before, we're adopted into the house of Israel. In verse 14, um, I really like this verse. It says... And at that day, referring to the latter days, the remnant of our seed, and he's referring to the seed of him and his brother, uh, they will know that they're the house of, of the house of Israel and that they are a covenant people of the Lord. And they will come to know the knowledge or come to the knowledge of their forefathers. And that's, that's such a blessing. Um, to know more about your ancestors. You know, in the past hundred years or so, there's been just this this burning excitement in the West uh, about uh, 
genealogy efforts and, and ancestry and stuff like that. And that's no coincidence. So they'll come to the knowledge of their forefathers. They'll also come to the knowledge of the gospel of their redeemer. Now, Shelby, why do you think that coming to a knowledge of your forefathers would also help you come closer to your redeemer or your savior? Hmm. Well, I thought you were just going to ask me <laughs> like a different question. Uh, well, okay. You said why would having a knowledge of our forefathers bring us closer to knowing our savior? Well, because if you know what they went through and you saw how the savior helped them or did not help them in whatever case that may be, then you will then know that if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he will do the same with you and your family today. I really like that because I I was going somewhere else with it, but I think you are on the right track because if you you think about it from that point of view, um, the... The descendants of the Book of Mormon civilizations, being the Native Americans. Not just the Native Americans. Well, not just the Native yeah. Well, no. I, I see what you, you're saying. I, yeah. The, but the Native Americans are among the, yes. ans- the descendants. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we're, I lost my train of thought. Um, Stupid thought. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a good thing, though. Let it not be. That means it's not right. You don't need to share it. That's, that's that not true. Really? That's well, false that's doctrine. A, no, it's super. It's in DNC. Well, first of all, I'm not having a stupor of thought. It's just that you interrupted me, and I was trying to. <laughs> I was trying to say something. Um, but I. We and love this, you, We th- do love each other. Yeah, we do. It's. I was actually telling you that you're right. So (laughs) apparently it's a stupor of thought. Um, If I could compose myself again, I was thinking to myself that I really liked that thought that knowing on for, for the, for the descendants of the Nephites and the Lamanites, having a knowledge of their forefathers and having like a true knowledge, like, saying, okay, this is what they went through, and it's because they were not obedient. Mm -hmm. How, you know, to the commandments of the Lord, how can I make sure that I don't suffer the same thing? But we can do that looking back into the days of Moses. We can look that back into as far as Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. We can say, why, what happened that they made a mistake and how can I avoid the same mistakes? I mean, there's a reason that these stories and these oral traditions, and then for the Book of Mormon specifically, this record was preserved. It's so that we can learn from it. It's not just for idle, you know, leafing through the pages, right? Right. So I really like what you said. I was thinking in terms of, um, it was a couple... It was like last week now, but Shelby, I was talking to you about, um, we were out with the missionaries a couple months back when we had sisters in our ward. 
and we went to visit a family and we were about to sing a, a hymn to like open up the lesson. And one of the young oh, women, yeah. yeah, one of the young women at the home kind of like was annoyed and she asked, let, let me guess, I'm a child of God. <laughs> because they sing that all the time, right? Right. And it's kind of, it's kind of, they're over it. They're over that song. Like, why are we singing that all the time? Right. When you really have a testimony and, and you know that you are a child of God, it's a big deal because that's not a doctrine that other churches teach. So 100% it's not that we are literal children of Heavenly Father. They believe, some believe that Christ is the Son of God, the literal Son of God. But we are just sort of quasi-related through creation, right? That we're brothers and sisters, you and I are brothers and sisters, but we're not literal children of God and heavenly parents. So that doctrine is is actually pretty out there. Um, why it's so... Why it, it, it gets so much resistance, I don't know. It's a beautiful you doctrine. No, it's because Satan. He wants to attack our identity. Okay, good point. Yeah. I guess I was being like I was being I was trying I was using it as an expression. Like mm -hmm. I don't know why that would be such a big deal. But yeah, you're right. Um another thing, right? Like knowing that you and I and, and we're a, a part of the family of God. Right. Um that turns us to the Savior because he's our elder brother. He's the son of right. Heavenly Father, so on and so forth. And in that last part of this verse, in verse 14, it says that they shall come to know uh, the knowledge of the Redeemer and the very points of his doctrine. And I thought, oh, wait, like the doctrine of Christ? And I actually put that in there. I put the doctrine of Christ. And do you do you remember from the mission what the doctrine of Christ is, Shelby? Like the principles of the gospel. Is that what you're talking about? To invite others to come unto Christ. That's our purpose. That's our purpose. It's also the doctrine of Christ. I did not know that. Yeah. I mean, I know the principles of the gospel are like first baptism, second remission. Remission. Oh my goodness, laying out of hands. <laughs> Like that whole thing. Sure. Well, those are the first principles, principles and ordinances, ordinances of the gospel. But faith in Jesus Christ through his atonement, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then baptism, of course, uh, or repentance, baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost and enduring to the end. Um, and then how to come unto him and be saved is also put in this last thing. So, yeah, his doctrine is is those things so i just really like that and i i i like how it's it's put right alongside this analogy of an olive tree in the house of israel when you know that you're part of the house of israel you also come to know your savior and his doctrine mm -hmm. Very true. so and that's that's kind of all I wanted to really talk about because I know we have, there's just all these other things that I wanted to talk about. Um, 
but what what are some things that you learned in in chapter 16? Um well, are you sure there's nothing else that you want to talk about? Well, yeah, there are. I mean, there's a whole chapter left. We haven't really we didn't really get the chance to go over chapter 15. But I mean, one thing that I do think is really important if we jump down to verse 29 in chapter 15. Um, this is after Nephi gives some interpretation of the, the vision of the tree of life. And he, the, his brothers ask, what is the meaning of the, the river of water, which our, which our father saw and that it was filthy. And they're trying to figure out like, what's the meaning of that? I think it's kind of interesting that they don't know what it means when they actually, in the vision, they like, they're kind of drifting toward that river, right? I was mm-hmm. kind of worried about that. <laughs> um, and so... You're worried about that. Well, yeah. You're going to go run and see <laughs> Nephi says that it's a representation of that awful hell in verse 29, which the angel said unto me was prepared for the wicked. Verse 30, and I said unto them that our father also saw the justice of God did also divide the wicked from the righteous. And now this is not a controversial doctrine that at the last day, the wicked and the righteous will be divided. Right. Um, but I would, I would propose the question, why do they have to be divided? And... I think we we know from the doctrine taught in this vision that the the wicked are filthy, the righteous are clean, and no unclean thing can enter into the kingdom of God. They can't they can't coexist um, in the presence of God, and so that was pretty cool. And and just I'd really invite everybody, including you, Shelby to read verses 29 through 36 um, because it's just a really awesome testimony and uh, there's a lot of great doctrine. It talks about our days of probation, what we should be doing, what we should not be doing. Um, And uh, yeah, that ends chapter 15. So now Kevin's discourse is over yeah, it's over. Shelby? It's not really over, though, because you're going to comment on something I say. I know it. That's because that's what this podcast is. It's a Christ-centered <laughs> conversation. Um, <laughs> so I was in First Nephi 16 because that's what I thought we were going to talk about today. And um, I learned a lot, actually. And this is the chapter where um, I'm just going to spoil it for you, that Nephi breaks his... Um, bow hmm. and or i believe so or is that 17 no it's this one mm-hmm. um sorry i've been reading a lot in the book of mormon so they're running together well humble brag well that's not what i meant <laughs> <laughs> actually just a lot today i should say they've been flowing together um so i just want to say that verse 2 in first nephi 16 particularly the end of it Um, where it says, 
Wherefore, um, the guilty... Well, let's just read the whole thing. And it came to pass that I said unto them that I knew that I had spoken hard things against the wicked. According to the truth and the righteous have I justified and testified that they should be lifted up at the last day. Wherefore, the guilty taketh the truth to be hard, for it cutteth them to the very center. Um, I remember finding this principle like before my mission, and I was like, wow, that's, that's crazy. And so anytime... I would start to like liken this unto my own self and unto my life, and I would find things that I'd be like, oh, they, they're they mad because it's hard for them to understand, and they don't get it. And even I would liken it to myself, where I'd be like, why am I mad right now? Like Kevin and I have comp inventory every week, and there's some times where I catch myself falling on this guilty side and I'm it's like cutting me to the core and I'm trying not to react like Laman and Lemuel and I'm trying to react like Nephi and so it's just a very interesting um very true likable sentence in the scripture when your kids get mad at you (laughs) or they're guilty of something um they're not understanding because it was a hard thing for them to hear and so they're they're going to react. I mean, when someone tells you, Kevin, like say, for example, someone's like, Kevin, you really suck at your job and da da da. And like, say it was the truth. That's going to cut you really hard. And you're going to want to, you know, almost be like, well, what are you talking about? And, and defend yourself almost. But we have to be humble and we have to continue to, what's the word? Um, I would just say, be more like Nephi and endure. But I just would invite everybody listening to uh, look for that particular set or that sentence in your in your life this week because you will see it and it may even be with yourself. Um, so I just wanted to put that little caveat caveat how you say it caveat out there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, going on, Nephi and his family they wake up and they find this ball of curious workmanship in verse ten um, outside of their tent in the morning. And that ball is the Liahona. And that Liahona is telling them um, where to go in, in their travels to the promised land. And it says in verse 16, And we did follow the directions of the ball, which led us in the more fertile parts of the wilderness. So it didn't lead them out of the wilderness. It just led them to more fertile parts of the wilderness where they could prosper a little bit more Mm -hmm. um, than what they had been in, right? So that shows that in whatever wilderness we're in, the Lord will guide us to the more fertile part of our wilderness if we let him guide us there. And it doesn't mean he's going to take us straight out of the wilderness. He's just going to take us somewhere where it's probably a little more comfortable, but still a little bit hard, right? So I just think that point is actually one of my favorites. Um, and also, Kevin had brought up, we we did come follow me on this, like, to be serious, because we're a week ahead. And uh, it says, I believe it says in it, the change from time to time, correct? Mm-hmm. I can't find that verse. But it talks about the ball, the liahona, the the directions and the words on that ball would change from time to time. And I think that's because of revelation, personal revelation for Lehi and his family. It had to change from time to time for it to tell them where to go. And circumstances 
do differ. Um, but let's get to the fun part where Nephi and his brothers go out and they're hunting and um, the, their bow, Nephi's bow breaks. And at this point, um, Laman and Lemuel, and I'm assuming Sam, all the people that were hunting, their springs were not working, I believe is what it was, on their arrows. And so Nephi's the only one left. And so they're all counting on Nephi. And bam, his bow, bra- bow breaks. <laughs> and now how are they going to get food? So everybody gets super upset. Even Lehi, when he comes back, he gets mad at God, really. He's like, how has God forsaken us? And Nephi chastens everybody. He's like, how, how are you forgetting that the Lord led us here? And how this and how that. And I thought to myself, two things. First thing is that when we don't have food, when our basic needs are not being met, we get really irritable faster, like in my opinion. I know I do. And it's like I, I study psychology and Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like once your basic needs are met, then you can move up to like the next level on the pyramid. So your basic needs have to be met first. And no one's basic needs are being met first because they didn't have food. And they needed that food. And I think that's part of the reason they got so upset. Not just because they were mad at Nephi, but their hunger... Their natural manner is driving them to want food. And so I just think that's a very interesting part. And then the second part is that these people, if I were Nephi and I knew the knowledge that he knew and I had that testimony of it, I'd be really irritated with these people. So I get why, I get why he started to chase in the people around him. Um, because he really was like, do y'all not remember that the Lord's going to provide for us even though my bow is broke? Like, it's going to work out somehow. Right. And so he just goes and he does something about it. And that's what I love about Nephi. He always acts than being acted upon. And a lot of, basically everybody was being acted upon in that situation. So, in whatever hard situation you have in your life that feels impossible, let's act and not be acted upon by our circumstances. Because we are agents to our own agency, um, or to choose our own path. And so he goes out, and what does he do, Kevin? <laughs> you know the story. Yeah, he makes a, he makes a bow mm-hmm. of wood. And he also brings back food. Right? right. He's successful in his hunt. Right. And then everyone's happy, and their needs are met, and they... You know, say sorry to Nephi and and they move on. And so I just, yeah, verse 39, it says, They did speak many words, or I'm sorry, and it came to pass that the Lord was with us. Even the voice of the Lord came and did speak many words unto them and did chasten them exceedingly. And after they were chastened by the voice of the Lord, they did turn away their anger and did repent of their sins, insomuch that the Lord did bless us again with food that we did not perish. So, they end up repenting in the end because they knew that they acted out of natural man. You get what I'm saying? So I just, there's a lot of psychology in this for me of how people act in dire situations. And Nephi allowed himself to not fall into what the norm would do. Rather, he stepped up and did something that would change what that norm was. And so I just really like that example of Nephi and his bow 
and breaking it and coming back with food and showing everybody that it is possible. So do you have any thoughts on that? I do. I I think the biggest thing for me in that, in that account is that Nephi being only one person was able to change the circumstances for his whole family, Mm -hmm. which at this point it's a lot of people are out there in the wilderness. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, it was, it was in last week's come follow me, I believe, but there was just this little scripture, um, activity where you, you find a challenge that Lehi, uh, and his family faced in the wilderness. You find Nephi's response, everyone else's response, and then the results. And you try to figure out, well, how in the world all their responses were murmuring <laughs> or they did they bound Nephi and didn't lose him, right? Right. Nephi's response is stuck it out, prayed, acted with faith, and yet the results are everybody's now happy. Right? It's not only Nephi gets delivered. Right? right? It everyone benefits from a righteous a righteous decision maker. Decision maker in the family. Yeah. Yes. Like, it impacted the course of their wilderness And travels. it could be the youngest person in the family. It doesn't have to be the eldest or the most educated or so on and so forth. And I want to point out that when Nephi made this bow and arrow, he then went to Lehi and said, Whither shall I go to obtain food? That's right. He went back to the he prophet. He went back to him. And he's like, he let, let's be real. Nephi could have just done it himself. But he went to his father and was like, hey, I know you're the priesthood leader. Like, tell me where to go to get food. He, like, humbly knelt down and told his father. And that was such a reminder to Lehi. Like, if I would have been the father, if I would have been Lehi, I would have felt. I mean, it's a perfect example of how you can lose, lose, I'm sorry, learn from your children. Right? Yeah. His son comes back and he's like, oh, my goodness. I need to repent because I I fell into the trap of what Laman and Lemuel had done. Yeah. Right. So it's a really it's a good reminder that just because you are a prophet or this high art person doesn't mean that you're all that <laughs> because you can fall too just like Lehi did. I really like that mm-hmm. because um, at the at the youth devotional last week, um, President Davies. Well, oh, actually, no, it wasn't. It wasn't in the youth devotional. It was like during the sacrament meeting, uh, one of the the sisters who was speaking mm-hmm. mentioned about how children can contribute. Like, how can how can oh. children contribute to your Christ-centered home? Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, we have some young people listening to our podcast, and I know. A hundred percent that they contribute greatly to the the gospel learning and the the just the humility in the home, mm-hmm. you know, um, in their home, I should say. Well, Shelby, do you have any concluding thoughts? Yeah, I just have one more. Um, it was one scripture. 29 and it says and thus we see that by small means the lord can bring about great things so i think it's important to remember that the small things that nephi did 
just going out and figuring out what he was going to do. He just grabbed wood. He's like, oh, let me try and make this into a, a sling thing. I don't, right. I don't know what you call it. I don't <laughs> shoot arrows, but, you know, he went with it. And this small thing became something so great for their family. And so your small efforts to pray, to read, to share your testimony, to teach your children, to do whatever you do will be great. Like they turn into these great things. Like my hope for this podcast is that one day our kids listening can be like, man, I'm so glad mom and dad did this because now I have their recordings of their voices forever while I'm here on earth and maybe they're gone. You know, I just, it can be a great thing. So yeah. Anyway, that's, that was the last thing I had to say. Awesome. Since you asked. (laughs) Thank you. Well, we are going to be moving into uh, the next chapter next week, uh, chapter 17. I love this chapter. It's a good chapter. This um, is like one of my favorite chapters in the Book of Mormon. Well, I can't wait. We're going <laughs> to we're gonna study this one together. Oh, yeah. And that way we can come prepared to share a whole bunch of stuff about it. Um, yes. So excited. Did, did you have any invitations? For those listening, other than to read the Book of Mormon <laughs> along with us? Um, no, just the invitations that I gave um, to go ahead and look for the concept of the guilty taking the truth to be hard in your life and let the Spirit teach you. Um, and Kevin gave an invitation to read uh, chapter 15, 39, what verses were it? It was 20, 29 through the end. 29 through the end. And so. just think... Just Ponder, yeah. like what? What is the purpose of me being here on Earth? Yep. You know, because yeah. that talk about a not well-known doctrine of you know among other churches, among other people. You know, the fact that members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints can say without a doubt, "I know why I'm here, and I know where I'm going." Those are huge. Yeah. Huge. And if you are not a member. Uh, of the church, I mean that's great too. But if you um, want a copy of the Book of Mormon, um, we can get you one. So <laughs> yes, I I I don't want to name people out, but <laughs> right. if you want one, you can have one. <laughs> yeah, hit us up. <laughs> you know where to get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I I think I can say we we hope that y'all have a great week. Mm-hmm. Um, and go we, listen to come follow me corner too that's right we're gonna have that out either today or tomorrow and so get caught up on your come follow me reading um until then we will see you next time bye we hope you're enjoying the christ-centered conversations podcast featuring the book of mormon if you have any suggestions for the show please message us on Facebook at Kevin or Shelby Stanfill. We also invite you to visit churchofjesuschrist.org for more information on the Book of Mormon and the restored gospel of Jesus Christ.